Well, we've uh, started a series of messages called Grace and Truth. If you're like me, you've probably heard or saw in a number of ways from TV commercials to emails to social media that the month of June was designated as Pride Month. I walked into a pet store recently that had revealed a, a line of pet wear uh, with rainbow colors uh, to show their support um, for that month. Uh, suffice it to say that the LGBTQ ideology has become mainstream in our day and in our time, something that uh, was not, you know, just 20 years ago. Uh, but it's affecting business, it's affecting education, it's affecting public policy, and many of us have been affected uh, by this in our personal lives, in our professional lives. Even churches and denominations are wrestling with these ideas in terms of doctrine and practice. So it's important for us in the church to ask the question, uh, what does the Bible say about these things? You know, we're, we're uh, followers of Christ. We're, we've talked about this being the Word of God, right? The, what, what kind of guidance does this uh, book give us in that area? Uh, last week we looked at this book and the reliability, authenticity, and authority uh, in, the, in the Bible. We saw that God not only inspired it, but we saw that he supernaturally preserved it so that we would have his word to guide our lives, that uh, he might lead us in his ways, the ways of righteousness, the ways that we might avoid uh, corruption and of sin and, and experience the best that he has for us. Like uh, Gwen was saying this morning, he's our, our outfitter. He's given us you know, that, uh, the, the boat, if you will. And when we stray from the boat, thank God, he still throws us a lifeline, right, to bring us back because of his love for us. But for example, you know, we learn from this Bible, we learn from this word, that God so loved the, the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We learn about the love of the Savior who came to reconcile us to God, to save us from sin so that we can spend eternity in glory with God, so that we can enjoy a relationship with Him in the here and now. Amen? But we also learn things like, contrary to what the world says, uh, our worth and our value are not in things like uh, how much money we have, or the things that we possess, or our, our, our station in life, our successes, uh, what we've achieved in business, uh, our, our looks, our talents. Our worth isn't involved in all of that, but we have intrinsic value as those who are created in the image of God, uniquely us, not another one like us on the face of the earth. And because of that, you and I are priceless. Because of that, you and I are unconditionally loved and accepted by God. Isn't that awesome? We learn things like it's better to forgive than to hold resentment. We learn things like it's better to hold our tongues, <laughs> uh, be slow to speak, 
rather than giving in to emotional impulses. This Word, a guide for us so that we can achieve the blessings of God, so that we can live a better way. You and I come out of, as the song said, we, we, we came out of darkness into the light. And so in that light we learn who is God, who are we, what does God tell us, how should we live so that we can walk in His truth and in His blessings. So, does God in His Word speak to us in this area of human sexuality? And then what do we do with this truth? Turn over, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We've got to go all the way back to the beginning because God speaks in this area right from the start, right from creation. Genesis 1, beginning verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What is the first thing that we see in this passage? We see that man or mankind, if you will, human beings were what? We were made, weren't we? Created by God Himself. Have you ever made something? Made something out of wood or built something or even drew a picture? Why do, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we make? Why do we create? Right? We, we have a purpose in it. Right? We need something. We need a tool to do this. We, 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 we build something of beauty that we can enjoy. What, whatever it is that we make, we, we have a purpose in doing it. Right? And it's the same way with God. When God created mankind, when He created human beings, He had purposes for us. Right? What was that purpose? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. What's an image? Think of looking in a mirror. What, what, what is that image? Right? It's a reflection of us, isn't it? Hmm. So, we could say that human beings were created first and foremost to reflect who God is. To reflect His nature, His character, love, mercy, righteousness, holiness, justice, grace, right? All those parts of who God is, His character, was to be reflected in us as we walked with Him in relationship. So, we were created to be like Him. Adam and Eve, if you will, were the very first disciples, weren't they? To learn from God, to be taught by Him, to follow His ways. Created in His likeness to be like Him. Right? And express 
his, both his character and, the Bible says, his dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over all the earth, right? As God has dominion over all the universe, he created this earth and said, I'm going to put you guys in charge of the earth. So just as I am to the universe to, to, uh, to, to be who I am, so you are going to do that on the earth. Over, over, dominion over the animals and stuff, and then in your relationships with one another. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, the scripture says he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, two biologically different human beings. Both created, and I, I, I usually bring this up during Mother's Day, um, both created to reflect God's attributes, right? God took some of his qualities and put them in the man. He took other of his qualities and put them in the woman, right? So two genders made for God's purposes so that together in unity they would reflect, they would be the full expression of who God is in the earth. The full expression of of his nature, right? The two of them together. And God blessed them, verse 28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Another purpose for these humans that God created was to multiply and to fill the earth, right? God made humans to reproduce, right? And this would be done how? Well, thankfully, we're not amoebas. We don't just reach a point and conserve all this energy and then just split in half. Aren't you glad of that? Right? We're not amoebas. No. God planned that we would reproduce in a sexual relationship, didn't he? And not just any relationship, but a relationship between a man and a woman. Right? And not just any relationship with any man and any woman. Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So the relationship that God our Creator chose for His purposes was a covenant relationship between one man and one woman. This leaving and cleaving together. His wife, not his wives, right? No, this is how God set it up. He will cleave to his wife, just her, right? Nobody else. Two together. The two becoming so bonded to each other, um, not, not only physically, but emotionally and relationally, they would be as one flesh. They would be so close and so bonded together that they would be almost like the same person, having that love and care for one another, right? That strongly, that they would be an, an extension of the other, right? That kind of a covenant exclusive relationship. God illustrated that um, when he took part of Adam to create Eve. 
right? She was made from his rib. She was made from his own substance. Adam himself said in Genesis 2.23, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Right? She's literally a part of me, Adam was saying. And a friend of mine that used to say when Adam woke up, you know, God put Adam in sleep and he woke up and God says, hey, I got a, a helper for you. And he brings her to you. And he says, what do you think we call her? And he looks at her and he goes, whoa, man. Um, anyway. So she was taken from him. Two parts of the same, right? Separated and then brought together in union and unity. Different expressions of the character of God, right? Now in oneness to be that full expression. This was God's design and would serve to be the model for future generations, the model upon which um, this purpose of multiplying would take place, right? Created to reproduce. How would this happen? Within that exclusive covenant relationship. So, um, children, uh, the, the, the model upon which uh, God's design was the model upon which he decided that we would build families and society, right? And studies show time and time again that children, and I know there's all kinds of different situations out there, but children thrive best in that environment with the mom and the dad both expressing those characters of God that they've been given. So, uh, Jesus himself affirmed this model in Matthew chapter 19, beginning of verse 4. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, let not man separate. So here is Jesus affirming the two, affirming them coming together from the beginning in this covenant-exclusive relationship. Male and female joined together by God himself. This was God's design, God, Jesus said, from the beginning. Dr. Sean McDonald, uh, McDowell of uh, Biola University, uh, speaking to a group of high school students, asked this question. He said, how would the world be different if everyone followed God's design for sex? How would the world be different? This is what their answers were. No adultery. Pretty cool. No STDs. No abortions. Can I ask you what kind of toll these things have on families and marriages and relationships, kids, right? Is it any wonder why God set down His design in the first place. But there's something more I want you to see this morning. The Holy Spirit 
through the Apostle Paul in the context of the Bible giving um, direction about marriages and family relationships. Um, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 28. He says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Here we see it again, right? He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Sometimes we overnourish it a little bit. Um, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So there, you know, uh, he's saying the same thing again. And then he repeats uh, in verse 31 of chapter uh Five of Ephesians, he says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Over and over, we see it in the Scriptures. One man, one woman, in a covenant relationship. This is the only option given in Scripture. Given in the Old Testament. Given in the New Testament. Given through the mouth of Jesus Himself. Why? Well, because this is, and always has been, the Creator's design. The foundation that He set forth from the beginning for sex, reproduction, family, and society. But there's more. He goes on to say, verse 32, he says, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He, that, that same verse that we've seen in the Old Testament, we've seen in, in Jesus, now Paul repeats it. Um, you know, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, the two shall become one. He says this, this is a mystery and it's profound. He says, I'm saying that this also refers to Christ and the church. So here we find another purpose for human beings. To Reflect the nature of God, right? To reproduce, to fill the earth. And here's another one. And this is a purpose that only a man and a woman in a covenant relationship could fulfill. And that was to be a visible picture of God's ultimate plan of redemption. A visible picture, a prophetic picture, if you will. A picture of Christ and the church which is known in the New Testament as his bride, right? John the Baptist, uh, they're asking him who he is. He says, I'm not the Messiah, right? He says in John 3, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Hmm. In, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, just before the Bible says that Satan is bound for the thousand years, the Bible says this, says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It's a mystery. We don't understand all how it works or how it's going to take place and, and all of this, but there is a marriage going to take place in heaven someday when the bride of Christ, his church, dressed in the spotless white right, of, of the righteousness that we have in Jesus, we will be united to Him some way, somehow, as His bride. 
right? To, to further uh, be in a covenant with Him, n- never to be separated from Him again for all of eternity. And God says, this is one of the reasons that I designed this all the way back in the beginning, this one man, one woman covenant relationship, so that in every age and every generation they would proclaim what is to come. That there is coming a day when the separation between God and man, any, any, any of it at all, I mean, you know, we're united spiritually with Christ now, but then we're going to see Him face to face. I mean, there is going to be such a... We, we are at this point betrothed to Him, right? But there is coming a day when we will see Him face to face, when we will be united in a way that is still a mystery to us. But it will be exclusive. It will be wonderful. It will be forever and ever and ever. And God says, in every generation, I'm going to speak that prophecy to the world. To every tribe and tongue. right? As they look at families, right? as they look at marriages, they're going to see this. So, if you, if you alter that picture, Right? If you take away the covenant, if you make it just a, oh, we don't need a piece of paper, or we're just going to move from this one to this one. If you take away that covenant exclusivity, you change the prophecy, don't you? You change the picture. If you change the genders, you change the picture. If you change the numbers, you change the picture. Right? We were created to speak something to the world. Something that God wanted to say. And it's not for us to mess with that picture. Right? So, created by God for His purposes. Given this foundational model right from the start. And you know what? Like a whole lot of other areas in life, we've messed up in this area. We've, we've, we've spurned the covenant. We've avoided the covenant. We've changed things, right? in our society and our culture. And um, again, again, this is just one of many areas that we have gone off the path as human beings. What do we do with this knowledge? What do we do with this truth from the Word of God? We kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What do we do with truth? We build our lives on it. Because we've, we, we've been around the block. We've, we know what it means when we're in line with Him or when we get off on our own, right? We've, we've messed up enough over here to know, you know, God knows what He's talking about. When I follow His ways, uh, I, I walk in, in His blessing. And, uh, and in harmony with Him, and there's peace, and there's joy, and, and all these um, graces of God for us. And when I go my own way, it, uh, it, it usually ends uh, with some kind of heartache, some kind of pain in my life anyway. So we, we are trying in every area of life to bring our lives in line with this Word, right? 
the way we speak, the way we treat one another, the way we interact with the world. We're, we're, we're trying to bring all of our lives in harmony with the Lord. So we build our lives on it. We build our worldview on it. We build our values and our beliefs in God's truth so that we know that we are walking in line with him. And we pass those values and beliefs on to our children. What we don't do with this knowledge is cast stones, right? Remember the John 8 story of the woman caught in adultery and uh, everybody, wanted to say, everybody wanted to pick up a stone because that's what the law said. And uh, Jesus said, okay, which one of you without sin, is without sin? Let them cast the first stone. And as you know, the story goes, the crowd just faded away, right? We, we, we don't use knowledge from the scriptures to cast stones. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but so that uh, the world through him would be saved. So we take this knowledge. We build our lives around the truth of God's word. And we know what we believe and we know why we believe it. You know, Paul talks about um, casting down imaginations that exalt themselves up against the knowledge of God. There's, there's all kinds of voices out there all saying a lot of things. We need to not only know what we believe, but why. So that we know that we're standing on the rock. Right? So it's not, it's not for casting stones. It's not for getting in arguments and, and, uh, and debates and pointing fingers at, at other people. Um, what we want to do is to learn from the example of Jesus just how to reach out in love to people. People who sin just like we do. Maybe not the same way that we do, but we do, right? We're... As, as someone once said, it's it's like we're um, we're 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 fellow um, what's the word used? It's it's like we're homeless and hungry. We just know where to get the food, right? We're not we're not pointing fingers at anybody and that kind of thing. We're, we, we've, just, we've just found God's grace. We found His love. We found the, the, the love that changes us on the inside, that, uh, uh, that, that is our peace and our strength and our hope, which not a lot of people have today. Right? We're just trying to help people find Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that in the, uh, in the weeks ahead. But... Um, you know some some of these uh, some of these issues are complex and and I have seen more people in the church that just come across um, holier than thou and and finger pointing and just angry and and judgmental and all this kind of thing. Um, and when I look at Jesus, when he came and he ate and drank with the, with the sinners and the tax collectors and, and, and loved them, he, 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 didn't, he didn't shy away from truth, but he loved and valued people 
And that's where we need to go as, as a church in these days, in these times. We need to get our cue from Jesus. And uh, so we're going to talk more about that in the, uh, in the weeks ahead in this series. But um, it's, it's good to know. Not just a matter of, is this right or is this wrong? Where does this come from? We know where it comes from. There it is. God's design. Old Testament, New Testament, words of Jesus. All says the same thing. This is the way God made it. For our good. For our blessing. For our families. For our society. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for opening our eyes, first of all, to that loving Savior who came for us. Um, we, we've still got a ways to go uh, in a lot of areas in life, Lord. And we're, we're just recipients of Your grace, and we thank You for that. But help us. Help us, Lord, with so many voices saying so many things, Lord. Even, even, even churches um, not knowing where to go, what to do. Lord, help us to get into Your Word. To know what Your truth is. And to build our lives on that Word, even as we reach out in love to a culture around us. We thank You. We praise You for it. In your most holy name we pray. Amen.